Also excited with you as we continue our message series for this new year, Breaking Free. Got to help me with this, all right? I'm going to twi- uh, quiz you here. If the sun... Yes, right? Good job. So if that's bedrock truth, where are we living, thinking, believing, behaving as if we are still in chains? Two weeks ago, we talked about how Satan wants to think us we're trapped in his lies. And we looked at how God helps us break free from those. Last week, we looked at this spiral of sin that we see in our own patterns and habits and choices, and we even see it in generations, if we take an honest look at our family lineage. But the only way to break free from this downward spiral of sin, Paul says, is thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. And in Jesus Christ, every day that we walk around his cross, he does this. He breaks those personal sin habits and patterns in our life, and he even can do that generationally and work in the generation of his children to sow seeds of faith and godliness and obedience that can bear fruit for generations to come. Today, as we continue to press through, we're going to talk about this doorway right here. One that we are all too familiar with, and this is shorter. It's a second grade classroom door. They come in all different shapes and sizes. God's word that's going to lead us this morning as we talk about facing this door is from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Would you look at these words again with me? Paul says, let the one who supposes himself standing firm beware lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you are able, and he will make with the temptation also a way of escape so that you are able to endure. Because this door is not a game, but a war, we need a battlefield mindset to break free. And so what we're going to do as we unpack these words that are on the screens now more in our time together, we're going to look at two very real realities that Paul tells us about this warfare and this door, and also especially then how we have a God who is for us and in us, and he is constantly at work in us to help us endure. Where does it start? Let's look at Paul's words again in verse 12. This is where the battle starts. Let the one who supposes himself standing firm beware lest he fall. The context of these verses is 
Paul at the beginning of chapter 10 recalls the massive failures of the Israelites under temptation on their route from Egypt to Canaan. That they caved into the temptation of idolatry, they caved to the temptation of sexual immorality they caved to the temptation of discontentment and grumbling they caved into the temptation of rebellion against god and his appointed leaders over them and so paul says these words are not just something that happened 3500 years ago paul says these words their failings still serve as an example for us today and they especially serve as a warning against any kind of overconfidence in our own ability to face this door on our own might. Why? Because that same sinful seed that was in the Israelites when they failed under temptation, it's the same seed that was in the Corinthians as they face temptation, it's the same sinful seed that is in us as we also face this door. Here's what that means. Because we have that same sinful seed, until the day we die here, there is no temptation, there is no sin that is ever beyond question for any one of us. We could all succumb. And so here's where Paul starts this battlefield mindset. In verse 12, what he is impressing on us is that we have to start with a very humble self-assessment, meaning our own proneness <laughs> to very easily open that door and walk right through. I'm never surprised, but I love when modern research and science back exactly what the Bible said many, many, many years ago. Here's just another one of those instances. This is actually from Dr. Lauren Nordgren at our own Northwestern University. He did a study where he subjected several college students to the temptation zone. He tempted them with junk food. He tempted them with smoking. He tempted them with procrastination on their homework and studies. And here is what he found. He found that we often display what he calls a restraint bias when we face temptation. And what does he mean by restraint bias? It's the tendency in every one of us to overestimate our own level of self-control over temptation. In other words, this restraint bias that's in all of us causes us to overestimate our own ability to say no when we're facing that door. And he warns. From his study on college students, those who were most confident in their own willpower to say no were the ones who, in fact, often gave in. So, he gave two conclusions. One is obvious, <laughs> given our restraint bias, 
avoid those situations where we know the vices and our weaknesses are strong. But second, he said most important was this. Keep a humble view of your own willpower. That's exactly what Paul said 2,000 years ago. If anyone supposes himself standing firm, beware, lest he fall. That's the first reality in this battle. The second reality is at the first part of verse 13. Please look with me in red. He then says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to mankind. There's a couple things here. Number one, there is no new temptation. There is no new sin under heaven after Genesis 3. And secondly, he's saying, notice that word overtaken you, that each temptation in itself has enough power to overtake us. See, so this experience here, this door we call temptation, this is not the exception in our walk here. This is actually the norm. And this is what we need to expect every day in many shapes and sizes. We asked Americans a few years ago, I don't think this has changed much in 12 years, what are you most tempted by? And our fellow Americans said number one on the list was worry, being anxious, as well as tied for number one was procrastination, putting things off. Number two, but not here in Chicago, is eating too much. Then it was spending too much time on media, being lazy, spending money that we don't have, gossiping about others, being envious, jealous of others, viewing lustful material, then abusing alcohol or drugs. How many would agree that those are also some of our top temptations? And that's exactly what Paul is teaching here. Don't expect one door <laughs> in your daily walk. Expect numerous doors. In fact, we can already bet that we have an enemy who has already been planning you and scouting you out, and he knows if he can't get you to go through this door, guess what? He's got another one he's going to try. And if that doesn't work, guess what? He's got another door planned for you and another door and another door so that the master plan of our enemy might actually look something like this. Monsters, Inc., where he's got door after door after door after door, and he will put whatever before us to get us to open and walk through. In fact, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, to picture this beautiful door right now as a car. Pretend with me that this door right here is a car. Now, it's not a car itself, though it could be, but the car represents any temptation that he's going to put before you to entice. The one that he knows is really powerful in your, your life right now. 
So here's that nice car, and Satan is the master car salesman. He is an absolute pro. And as he's enticing you with whatever your car is, your temptation, let's just start with his demeanor. His demeanor is certainly going to be friendly. And I bet he even comes with a big, warm smile. So much so that we probably don't even recognize it's him. Right? That would be too obvious. He doesn't come before us with some flashing neon pitchfork. He doesn't come to us and speak to us in some fierce, scarce growl. But he pretends to be our friend. And he's looking out for your best interest and my best interest. And he is sympathetic to what we need. And then his sales pitch might sound something like this. You know, it runs great. This car, this temptation promises you many years of satisfaction. In fact, just picture yourself behind the wheel of that temptation right now. Can you see the fun? Can you see the pleasure, the happiness? It could bring into your life right now. In fact, you know what? You deserve it. You deserve it. Poor you and what's happened to you and what's been said to you and, and how much you've come through. Man, you deserve what's right there. And notice too. You don't have to go through here alone. This car has seating for more. So you can take other people with you. You like that? Go ahead. Just sit in it. Take it for a little test drive. And just see that this is what you most need. And what he doesn't tell us <laughs> is about the IED that's in the trunk and he's wired to the ignition so that when we go in and go through that door, it's not long before we are picking up the pieces of the wreckage and carnage of our life and those who are closest to us. It's a real battle that we are facing every day with multiple doors. But lest we get discouraged and feel defeated at all, the turning point in our text is what Paul writes next. He says, God is faithful. 
that as we face this door and all of Satan's cunning, we have a much bigger God who is always faithful. And in his faithfulness, he has given his own son to come down and step fully in our shoes and face these doors too. In fact, look at what the Bible says about Jesus. It says in Hebrews, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us in our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every similar way. That Greek word there for tempted is used three times in our text today from 1 Corinthians 10. The same word is used of Jesus Christ. He knows what we are facing day in and day out in this warfare. He has been there himself. Remember when Jesus was at his weakest in the wilderness. That's where Satan met him and said, Jesus, let's make a deal. I have door number one, and I have door number two, and I have door number three for you, Jesus. And behind each door, I promise you paradise. Shortcut. Easy way around the cross. But look at how it ends. Jesus was without sin. He knows every temptation we face, but he stood fast for you and for me. And a few chapters later, he even goes to the cross and pours out his lifeblood for every single time when, like the Israelites, we have caved and walked through that door. And here's the good news. In your baptism... You are so closely identified with Jesus Christ that everything that is his is now yours. So that his victory over temptation and sin, it's yours. All of it. But God in his faithfulness did not just give us Jesus. But as our text continues at the end, this is the God who in his faithfulness continues to walk with you to help us endure. In fact, we could diagram this morning verse 13 like this. It's all about the faithfulness of God and God in his faithfulness to every one of us does two things. One, he says he will not let you be tempted beyond what you are able. Just like the, his prophet Job he put boundaries around Job's life. And that's what God in his faithfulness will continue to do for you and me. In his sovereignty, he will put a boundary there. He will put a limit to how much we can suffer temptation. And yes, the water might get deep and those flames might get really hot. But we have his promise that he won't let us get cooked. And he won't let us get burned. Because in his faithfulness, he will not let you be tempted more than you are able. And secondly, in his faithfulness, he will make right there with that temptation 
a way of escape, a way out. When you're in a building like this one, a public building today with building codes, what do you notice by every single exterior door? A bright red exit sign. We have one there, we have one there, we have one there, we have two of them over there. That's God's promise here. Don't you dare, let's say, to, <laughs> to think that this is our best and only option is to go through that door. Because we have a God who in his faithfulness provides another door. And in that moment of temptation, the door says exit here. And maybe that exit sign, that door that God provides, maybe suddenly when we are in the heat of temptation, maybe a text comes from a friend or a snap or a tweet or an email or a phone call or the daily Bible verse just happens to come up on our phone. That is exactly what we are facing. I have a good friend who was going to visit some of their family and a couple friends. And the friends had the potential to be bad company. But on the way there, mysteriously out of nowhere, the car stopped working and it was less than a year old. Never done it before. The lights came on. It would not go, would not go. Had to get a towing company, towed the car, went to the dealership. Dealership put it in there as soon as they could. They looked everything over and found nothing. The whole ordeal took about three or four hours, and the car ran fine. But because of the schedule, they were no longer allowed to meet the friends. When something like that happens, or our credit card is declined in a purchase, or friends cancel an outing with us, or maybe we even become sick, do we just attribute that to a bad day or being unlucky? Or could that be an example of a God who is faithful and him giving us in that moment of what could be great temptation, another door that says, exit here. And so for eyes of faith, you have his promise there. We look for the other door that God is providing in that moment. So that look at the bottom of the verse. His children are able to endure. And that, friends, is breaking free. Amen.